Welcome to the Midnight Train to Sleepy Hills. We hope you enjoy your ride, and we ask all guests to be aware of your surroundings, because there is danger in Sleepy Hills. Additionally, we will be releasing new episodes weekly, so stay tuned, and please like and subscribe. Now, back to our latest installment. We just wanted to thank you for stopping by our fine restaurant today, Mayor Murdoch. The owner of the restaurant whose mouth should be taped shut. Was it that he was over 100 pounds overweight in his small frame? Or that he spoke so fast that he was losing his breath mid-sentence? Charles' bodyguard, PR man, whatever guy, calmly whispered in my ear, that he was one of my biggest donors and that the limo had just pulled up. I rose my index finger and middle finger together. Thank you again, Mayor. Those tax breaks you made last year really helped us. His face and mouth stopped moving as his eyes focused on my fingers. I appreciate your praise, my dear friend, but my ride has arrived. And I do plan to make a big announcement tonight. He rocked his massive head enthusiastically. Sure, sure. And as if on command, the heavyset man pulled out a crumpled envelope from his food-stained pants. Charles snatched the letter before the man was able to lift the letter past his nipples. Charles's sunglasses reflected on the candle. As he gently peeled the envelope and stuffed it into his black suit pocket. Again, I cannot thank you enough, Mary. You make me very happy. Joseph quickly jumped to the back of the limo, and the head ornament sparkled the inscription below R and R. We have three more stops, said Charles, sitting across from him. The response was a gradual smile with the look of the joy of destruction. The inside of the limo was much more spacious. However, it wasn't typically like that before one of his big speeches. Just the two of them always brought him a smile. If he wasn't careful, Charles would be finishing his sentences for him. The relationship was anything but normal. With a gentle nod, Charles reached out for the champagne glass and the bottle in tow. cold cylindrical glass touched his palms. The smile grew a bit more 
as the refreshing substance cleaned out my mouth of cheap wine. That maggot back there calls that his best wine. You know that, Charles? Charles, I need to show him what real wine is. Charles responded, That guy is still fresh off the boat. But I do agree, selling that wine is of its top shelf. <laughs> well, it should be a crime, right, Mayor? Murdoch looked at his reflection. And the smiling face looking back harbored something more than a blissful expression. Lucy and George II had made three blocks from her home. They stood waiting at the bus stop. She had brought a large purse bag to put George II inside of. Remember to stay quiet, you hear? Reminding the cat to stay quiet was not the most ridiculous thing she had done that day. But coming to realize that this was not any ordinary cat. She remembered the look on George's face this morning when she said that she thought the cat was not only understanding her, but somehow aiding her in her search for Billy O'Brien. George checked my temperature and made me smile to see if I was having a stroke. I'm starting to worry about you, honey, he said with a concerned look. We got this, honey, reminded Lucy, with a more determined expression as she planted a kiss on his lips. Lucy with George II, hidden. She started to rehearse what she planned to say to Margaret McDougal. The bus route does show that she will be at Sleepy Hill Power Systems fairly soon. With the question of how did you track me down, I will say that I used the internet. But the truth was, George knew someone in the police department. She swallowed hard at the thought of this encounter going badly. She always hated guns, and the decision this morning may have been a mistake. No, this woman didn't have a criminal background, aside from some illegal parking and some speeding tickets. The bus was uniquely packed at this juncture, she recalled. Today is going to be the big speech from the mayor. She considered changing her plans from heading to Sleepy Hill Power Systems to City Hall to scold the mayor. I would tell him he needs to fix these damn roads. She quietly muttered to herself. Lucy struck her forehead on the steel pipe. Since there were no seats available, standing was the only option. Lucy grabbed the bar as if her life depended on it. Although shaken, she felt like meeting this woman that she might get some information. Lucy's goal wasn't to attack her. But she was starting to get a bit worried that she would appear to be that way. This morning she felt like 
It would be too much to tell George about the nightmare she had last night. The dream was of her and her youth running through the city cemetery and those green-eyed monsters were everywhere. <sighs> Running barefoot, she could feel how wet the grass was under her toes. She had her old cheerleader uniform on. The large S&H with a navy blue and crisp white color scheme. As she hopped and ran around the tombstones and graves. Hands began to poke through the moist soil. How did I end up here? She considered how poor her visibility was. Fatigue was starting in as it became more difficult to move about. A single break in front of a tombstone rewarded her with a pair of cold fingers wrapping around her left ankle. The cold vice latched onto her, and the feeling of no longer being free weighed on her greatly. With every violent jerking motion of her ankle, it just seemed so, it seemed so despairing, because as she fought against it, her strength gradually decreased. Sweat just seemed to flow from her scalp and burn her eyes. She felt, after her third attempt to escape the grasping hand, as she looked down at her ankle, a face emerged from the ground closest to the hand. The mouth opened, as she could tell, half of the face was rotten off. <laughs> As the skeletal jaws opened, maggots poured out of its mouth. Lucy no longer was able to scream, but instead just looked in absolute horror at the sight of the eyelids opening and a beam of green lights shot out like flashlights. All Lucy could do is close her eyes and try and grab the tombstone to stand up. Her hand struck an object that moved, and with a bit of courage, she reopened her eyes. A large cement vase with flowers was just a few inches above her head. As the blurry-like shaped object seemed to stay put from her first accidental strike, she dove for the vase, and with all the strength she could muster, she grabbed onto it and threw the heavy object at the ghastly ghoul. With that, she pulled her left leg as hard as she could away 
then the sensation of the cold vice grip was no longer. However, there was no time for celebration. Rolling back up to her feet, the crowd seemed to grow as the fog seemed to also consume the cemetery as well. That's right, she said to herself. The exit's on the far right. Taking a mouthful of air and being even more cautious on which ground her feet touched, she resumed to run again. <laughs> Dodging a large horde of the monstrous trios before her, she could see the exit from the corner of her eye. But at the same time, she was losing her breath again. A tree right at the entrance of the exit of the cemetery was struck and collapsed to the ground. Her vision began to blur, but she could still feel the cold rain touch her skin. The once beautiful uniform was caked in mud. However, even this didn't stop her single goal of escaping this nightmare. Looking at the ground carefully and taking another full breath, she launched herself at the exit. But as she neared it, something was off, and in front of the burning tree was a small child. All she could see is the back of his head of black hair. As a few more jumps and dodges of the grasping hands, the heavy gates that were left open closed. They closed on their own, and she grasped the cold steel bars and pulled and forcing her right hand between the bars. She cried for help to the child who stood facing the burning tree and didn't move a single inch. <laughs> Closing her eyes, ready to feel something more than cold water droplets. Lucy opened her eyes at the sound of the bus doors opening. A dream that seemed so real, it was hard to tell from fantasy from fiction. The dream was so clear to her, and normally she had a hard time remembering them. With her two feet planted on the cement sidewalk, she gently opened her bag to release George II. Well, let's get to the bottom of this, shall we? And that concludes our episode for today on the Midnight Train to Sleepy Hills. Please stay tuned next week for our next episode and follow the journey of what occurs in the town of Sleepy Hills.
you sleep.